So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children who are ages three through third grade make their way in that direction as they go to junior worship. And if you're new here and you have children in that age range, just follow them. The rest of you who are uh, going to stay in here with us, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 42 through 47. Look at that passage again. As you're working your way to Acts chapter 2, I, I want to remind you, always of, an, of a very important aspect of our worship assembly, of our worship to God, and that's the offering that we bring to God. And we make it possible for you to give that offering in four different ways. You can mail a check to our church address. You can go on uh, an automatic draft through the bank, which is very easy to do. You can go online to our website, eastsidesprings.com. There's a box there that says give, follow the easy instructions. Or if you are in person you can drop off your contribution there in the box on the way out and if you are not in person but you are here with us I'm looking straight at you to the cameras and you're streaming with us this morning we are absolutely um, delighted and honored and humbled that you're with us today you're just as much a part of this family and our assembly as those who are here in person Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we are, we're looking in, in, in contrast, and we talked about this a lot last week to the, the bad rap the church has gotten over the years, and especially recently, and also in contrast to how COVID has just influenced some to reimagine church in mistaken ways. Talked a lot of the details of that last week. We have here in Acts chapter 2 a beautiful picture of church as it's intended to be, as God intends it to be. It's God's picture of the church. And we're looking at this picture, it's one that many of us are familiar with, but we need this reminder. And we're looking again, not only for the purpose of, of correcting the contemporary misperceptions of church that are out there, but it's also for the purpose of inspiring all of us to participate in authentic church as it's experienced in our life groups. And so just be very direct with you. I don't want you to go home going, what was he trying to get at today? Well, this is what I'm trying to get at. My objective in this lesson, as well as last week, is to encourage all of us to be a part of our life groups to find a life group. And so there are tables back there and I'm trying to encourage you to say something today that will inspire you to go back there. If you're not in a group, to sign up a group. If you're in a group, to grab somebody and say, come on, I want you to be in my group. Take them back there. If you've got questions about our groups, I'll be back there. Ginger will be back there. Some of our life group leaders will be back there. You can ask questions about the groups. We can even say, here's a group we think that'd be great for you. Um, we don't have enough groups in this church to, to meet all the needs that we have. And so we need some people to say, you know what? I'll host a group. Come and talk to us. There are a number of you, too many of you, who were very active in our life group ministry in the past. You're no longer a part of, of a life group. We need you to re-engage. And so that's the purpose of why we're, another reason why we're looking at this picture once again. Now what I want to do is we look at God's picture of the church. I want to work a little bit backwards today, I'm going to jump from the, to the very end of chapter 2, and I want us to look here in verse 47, at the final brushstroke, you might call this, of God's picture of the church. Notice it says here in chapter 2 in verse 47, 
of the church. God, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there is there's a really important aspect of God's picture of the church. This is a church that was growing. Now we can talk about spiritual growth, but here in this context, it's a church that was growing numerically. And you see that in crazy ways in the book of Acts. We see it in chapter 1 in verse um, 15 that there were basically in that upper room, it says there were about 120 believers who were all gathered together fervently praying. And then after fervent prayer, we see in the very next chapter that the Holy Spirit came upon them. The gospel was powerfully preached. And about 3,000 that day were baptized in the crisis, added to their number and so if your math is good you take 3,000 add it to 120 we have 3,120 members just like that this is a growing church as a matter of fact it didn't just have 3,120 but it, God was adding to that number daily and then you go on and read in chapter 4, two chapters later, that the, it says the number of men grew to be about 4,000. And so then if you add women and children to that, now you're looking in just a, a very short time after that, there's anywhere from ten to 15,000 people. Most likely it's referring to those who were now part of the church body there in Jerusalem, ten to 15,000. Then we read in chapter 5 and verse 14 these words, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to that number. Now you have so much of a, such a great number that they're, they're not even putting a count. They're just saying there's just more and more were added to their number. In chapter 6 and verse 7 we read that the number of disciples in Jerusalem, it grew rapidly. So this is rapid growth. And there's a really interesting word that's used in chapter 21 and verse 20 referring to the growth of the church. It's a great word myriades from which we get the word myriads it says there were just myriads of people who were now in the church and you would translate that some translations would say ten thousands times ten thousands which is just beyond number countless people were coming into the kingdom of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ and so this is a church that indeed was growing and it wasn't transfer growth of people I'm not liking this church anymore. I like that preacher. I like that worship minister. And so they're transferring from one church to the other. This is growth of people who were unchurched, who did not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, who were coming in as new converts. And I'll be honest with you, when I read these numbers and I see this incredible growth in the first century, this can be, this can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. And especially... As we're going to see next week in the passage we're going to look, look at, that when we realize that the growth of the church, it's not just my job or the elder's job or the minister's job. It's, we're going to see how it is the role of every single one of us. And if that is true, and the Bible says it is true, and we see such incredible, rapid, huge growth in the church, we're thinking, man, I could never accomplish this. That's just something way beyond me. And the truth is, it is beyond you. Because the growth of the church is not dependent upon us. This is something that God does. Notice in this verse that I read here in chapter 2 and verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily. God is the one who does this. God who's, is the one who grows the church. I'll always remember when I was struggling to grow a new church and, as a missionary and just having such a hard time with it. 
God gave me this passage in Matthew chapter 16 where he looked his disciples in the eyes and he said, upon this rock, and here's the phrase that really stood out to me, I, not you, Eddie, not you individual members, Jesus says, I will build my church. He's the builder. And it was like there was a huge burden lifted off to me. That's his burden. That's his responsibility. Our responsibility Our calling is to be instruments in the hand of Jesus, the builder of the church. And I absolutely love the description of church growth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as it's compared to farming. And there it basically says that only God can do what needs to be done as far as the growth of the church. But now that doesn't mean so let's just sit back and watch what God does. It says there our responsibility is is to be sowers of the seed and, and, and to be those who sow into water. And that's pretty easy. I've got barren spots in my front yard. I'm trying to grow grass. And I get the, the, the grass seed and just, that's easy. Anybody can sow seed. Any of us can sow the seed. And then after that, I water. I stand where there are my water hose. I'm just, just watering the yard. I can look at my phone while I'm watering the yard. That is easy. That part I can do. The problem is I can't make a plant grow. I can't make that grass come up. I can't create a tomato. I can't convert somebody. I can't change a life. I can't create growth in the church. That is what God does is I carry out my role sowing and watering. That's what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So I believe that's what's here at play in in Acts chapter 2. There was incredible growth in the church, but it wasn't just happening to happen. It was because the Christians in this assembly were doing some things that that was creating the fertile soil for growth. So the question is, what were they doing? And I believe, church, we need to take a look at this. We need renewal of growth in the church. In this church, in the church at large, COVID has hit us hard. We need to renew what church growth is as we see in Scripture. So what can we do to position ourselves that God will bring such growth in the church? Well, first of all, we saw in chapter 42 last week, we looked at only in that verse, we saw the the first four, what I would call brush strokes of the church. The first four things that these Christians did to prepare the soil so that the church would grow as we see here in the first century. They did four things. Out of their devotion to Jesus, it just naturally flowed. Number one, a devotion to God's word. We talked about that last week. God's word, that's the seed that is to be sown. A devotion to God's word. There was a devotion to one another in fellowship. This is intended to be not an Eddie effort or a Matt effort or one of the elders effort. This is intended to be a group effort as we're devoted to God and to one another. We see thirdly, they were devoted to the cross and forgiveness as they went or gathered around the communion, the table. Every Sunday there's something magnetic about the cross and the reminder of the cross that draws people to Jesus. And they, we saw also last week that they were devoted, they devoted themselves to prayer. God works powerfully when his people come together in prayer. So that's what these people did. That's something that we also can do. That, that's achievable. And notice now, let's pick up in verse 43 where we left off last week. Watch what happens when God's people do what they're called to do. It says in verse 43, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs 
performed by the apostles. That word all could be translated reverence. It could be translated amazement. It could be translated at a wonder. There was a, a realization of the, of the divine transcendent presence of God in their midst as he worked miraculously in their community. God's picture of a church here in Acts 2 is one where miraculous life change happens in community. A community of people who are devoted to God, but also devoted to one another. Then look in verses 44 through 45, there's, there's another element that's, that's crucial that contributed to their growth. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so here is in God's picture of the church, these are a people that were lovingly and sacrificially caring for one another's needs. And as they did that, that positioned them for growth. Listen, when the world, those that are not in Christ, when they observe us loving and caring for one another, us loving and caring for others, it's, it's magnetic. You've heard the adage that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I remember when Karen and I went years ago as missionaries after the Iron Curtain fell, we went to Czechoslovakia and we quickly discovered that a lot of the Czech people, I think some Czech people are with us this morning as well, that a lot of the Czech people were, were very untrusting. All these religious groups like had been locked out for 40 years and they just going into these countries and the Czech people were like incredibly untrusting of all these new American religions that were coming in but it was my observation that they trusted the Salvation Army that had already been there for a while because they knew and they could tell that the Salvation Army was out there caring and loving for the needs of people that's what we see here in, in, in the picture of the early church. You know, one, one, of our, one of our families that's been a part of our, our Eastside family now for a few years, what primarily brought them here, I'll never forget this, is they, as a guest, stood at a distance and watched this family care for another family who was just going through a traumatic event in their lives. And they saw how these people here loved them and they said, that's the church I want to be a part of. That's just magnetic. As a matter of fact, one of the members of that new family was baptized not long ago. I received an email this past week. I always appreciate your emails uh, in response to the sermons. She sent an email, and, and this was in response to, uh, last week, I, I got kind of negative at the beginning. I was sharing some of the negative pictures and uh, perceptions that people have of the church and so in response to this she wrote these words and, and, and you, ha um, you have to understand this is somebody because you un to understand what I'm going to read to you she had had surgery and she had to go to a place called Sunny Vista for a while for a physical rehab and so you'll, you'll understand and so she's having difficulty walking having to learn to walk again and going through all the complications of that she wrote these words she said Eddie, I think of Eastside as a very loving church. I was helped when I had very little money. I was helped when my car broke down in California. I was helped when my garbage disposal quit working. 
I could go on and on. I enjoyed visits while at Sunny Vista and the many cards. I have been so blessed. It's hard to understand people who are disappointed in Eastside. The youth group, she went last week to the Coors Field to the, to the faith night or day at the Rockies with our teenagers. This is one of our older members. She says, I'm going with them. She said, the youth group was so helpful with me at Coors Field yesterday. Instead of dreading my slow walking, they walked with me and hugged me. I loved it. Now, there's something really important you need to understand about this person. She's very involved in this church. She's here on Sundays. She's in a small group. She's in a life group. She's connected in, in, in ministries of that church. And so, therefore, when she had particular needs, there was no question. We knew about it. We were very aware of it because she's so integrated and connected in the church body. There's a lesson to be learned there. You see, if, if you're not connected... If you're not involved, if you're a nominal fringe person, if you're not in one of our small groups, you may have a need or a burden or a problem that comes up in your life and we may not know about it. We want to know about it, we care about it, and we want to do everything we can to do to care for you. But it's possible that in a church our size that you could slip through the cracks and we would be unaware of it, of your situation. But honestly, it's almost impossible for that to happen if you're connected in a small group. Because it's in a small group. And we were talking about this today with our life group, our life group leaders. That's a place where you can be open. A place where you can be honest about your needs. It's a place where you can bury your soul and you can be transparent. It's a place where you become aware of the needs of others that you may care for them and they for you as well. Let's look at the next picture of this church, of, of a picture of God's church here in verse 46. We read, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to notice. First of all, we see in this picture of the early church that they ate together. They ate together in one another's homes. And I love the way it says, with glad and sincere hearts. I have honestly never eaten a meal with other people at the table with a sad and insincere heart. There's something about food that just brings us alive, doesn't it? There's something about hospitality in a home that is a powerful tool for outreach and fellowship. And while we could have a big potluck here and, and seek to accomplish this, our life groups are one of the greatest places where that can happen as people are seated around the table. We, we see this in the example of Jesus. He ministered. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He ministered there at the table at meals with people. That's the first thing I want you to notice about this passage. But there's another thing here I want you to see about the model of the early church, which I believe contributed to this, this rapid growth. Notice it says they met in two places. First of all, it says they met in the temple courts. And then it says, secondly, they met in homes. And you see in chapter 5, verse 42, this is mentioned again. Day after day, in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they, I love this. Listen to this. This is a whole sermon in itself. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming 
the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Where did they do that? They were doing it in the temple courts and they were doing it from house to house. This is, a, this is a church that had large group gatherings in the temple courts. They had small group gatherings. It was in the homes. And on the temple courts, this was a, I forgot how many acres, but it was this huge area outside of the main temple that, could, that you could probably place anywhere from 50 to 75,000 people. These early Christians were trying to figure out where can we all gather together. This wasn't their official church building, but it was a gathering place that they used. That's where they had their large gatherings. But then they also met in homes and their smaller groups. That's the picture of the early church that was growing. They had large gatherings like we have on Sundays here today, but they also met in homes. Large group celebration, small group gathering. In a large group, everybody's facing forward. In a small group, everybody's facing one another. In a large group, everybody, no, not everybody, in a large group, the, the, the preacher has something to say, or there it was the apostles had something to say. In a small group, everybody, you, have something to say to say, which then in turn created a bond between those people and helped the words on these pages come off these pages and become very personal and very practical. Listen, that, that's, that's a life group. That's our small group ministry. Do you know that the first 300 years of the church was the greatest and fastest growth the church has ever experienced percentage-wise in spite of two things during that 300-year period. First of all, it was, it was most of that time, it was illegal to be a Christian. It was against the law. They weren't supposed to be going to church. They had a reason not to go, but they were. And the church was growing. Persecution always has helped the church. But secondly, it was during this 300 period uh, of the church's first 300 years that they experienced rapid growth. They didn't have a church building. There was something powerful that was causing the church to grow as God's people were gathering in small group communities in their homes. That's the model we want to have here at Eastside. Large group here on Sundays, small groups in our life groups. And we really need all of us to be a part of that. That was the key to their growth. The church grew larger as it grew smaller, meeting in homes. Now there's the final brushstroke here of God's picture of the church in verses 46 to 47. We read, and I'm repeating a little bit because I want to add the second half of this verse. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. We saw that. But look at this. With, look, I want you to notice their, their emotions that are at play here as they're together. With glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. See those words, there's, there's gladness, there's sincerity, and there's joy, which is interesting because earlier in verse 43, it spoke about how everyone was, was in awe, everyone was carrying a great sense of reverence. I think we can have the mis mistaken perception that that reverence and joy are mutually exclusive you can't have both you're either reverent or you're either joyful and I mentioned that because last week I talked about one of the reasons why people are turned off to church is because well church is you just don't have fun 
It's just a, a, a boring place. And that, that, was, that was really one of the turnoffs for me when I was younger. And I understood the sense, or I know I misunderstood the sense of reverence. And I wasn't feeling like I wanted to be reverent. Well, what does it mean to be reverent? I thought it would have meant to be reverent. And I had to be like one of these monks, nothing against monks, but with a, with a bowl haircut and a bald head and one of these blue, uh, brown long robes with a, with a um, rope tied around and I'm supposed to carry my hands like this and always keep a somber look on my face. That's reverence. That's not the picture of reverence in God's picture of the church here in Acts chapter 2. There was reverence. There was joy. There was awe. There was gladness. There was sincerity. It was not artificial. And there are times when you will leave a large assembly like this and you'll say, that was amazing. I loved it today. Wow. And there are going to be other times when you're going to leave this assembly or any assembly you're gonna well yeah that was okay ask anyone that's in a life group and I doubt any of them are gonna say to you well it, it's no fun at all it, it, it's kind of boring I, I, I just go because Eddie just keeps on harping about it you're not gonna hear that of a life group what you see here in Acts chapter 2 is what you see in this small group ministry. This is God's picture of church. Of what God intends for church to be for you and for us all. And while we want that here. We want that to be the experience in our Sunday assembly. The truth is you can come here. And you can check off the attendance box. You can even have some level of surface conversation with people and say, hey, good to see you again. How's the weather today? Didn't you just love that rain? Aren't the Broncos going to be starting up playing in a couple of weeks? See you next week. And you can have that surface level conversation and never experience the depth of true, authentic church as we see here in Scripture. And so, how do you respond to today's lesson? You don't have to come forward as some churches do. We want you to go backwards. I'm going to be standing back there. We have our sign-ups. We want you to come and sign up for a life group. I want you to be a part of that. If, if you're not in a, a, a life group, I want you to be a part of it. But if you're in one, I want you to invite someone to come and, 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 and join one with you. If, if, if you say, you know what, you need some groups, I'll host one. If you haven't been in a group in a long time and you used to be, we need you back. We all got all, we got all kinds of different groups. We have four or five groups now that are welcoming kids. We haven't always had that many. So if you have kids and think nobody wants my kids to be in a life group, we have some groups that will take your kids. We have some groups that are we got a new group that's located in Peyton and Falcon. If you live in that area, we now have a group that's out in that area. If you're extremely old, we have a group that is called End of Life Group. And they are that's what they call themselves. If you're younger and you've got kids and you want to hang out with some people that are younger, we, we, we have a group for, for you there. We also have what's called intergenerational groups as well, where we people want people of, of different ages. And our sign-up table, just to let you know, is strategically placed right next to the coffee and donut cart. And today, and today only, if you will come and sign up for a life group, not only will you get a cup of coffee, but you get a donut to go with it. You bring two people with you and sign them up. You get two donuts. You start a new life group, and Kevin will make sure that you get a whole box of donuts. That's only today. Don't you love how those sales are only today? Church, I, I am convinced of this. If we will do what we can do, and we can do these things, 
God will do amazing things beyond what we could ever ask or imagine in using us as a mighty force in this kingdom. But in order for us to do our part, listen, you have to do your part. So we're going to close now and we're going to have a song. And, and, and we saw in the picture of this, of this early church that they cared for one another's needs. But you know, the only way you can care for somebody's needs is if you know about them. And there are a lot of us here who have walked in with some very heavy needs and burdens. Don't leave with that. We're going to stand in a moment. Our shepherds want to pray with you. They're here to pray with you. As a matter of fact, I ask our shepherds that are here today to stand so that you can see them. Where are you guys? There's one, there's two, there's Bill. Bill, come on, don't be shy. He's such an introvert. Stand up, Bill. There's Bill. There's Ted, missing a couple. And uh, if one of you will certainly pray for Noreen and her family. These guys are here. They want to pray for you, but there's more needs than there are shepherds to pray over you. And so if you know someone here that's coming, carrying a heavy burden, and I know a lot of you that are here with that, go to them. Pray with them or reach out to somebody. Let's stand together and go before God in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.